This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So you might have heard that Berkshire Hathaway was having its annual meeting, as it always does every year, and it's the first weekend of May. So this was a strange year, like everything else here in 2020. Instead of all the shareholders and the media all descending on Omaha to eat at the Seas Candy and shop at the Nebraska Furniture Mart and have some steaks, hang out in Omaha, they could not because of the coronavirus. So instead, Berkshire conducted the entire meeting over the internet with Warren Buffett, uh, you know, basically reading off a statement and then taking questions via the internet, via Becky Quickstill from CNBC, uh, via a method where you could send them into her and then she would read them off to, to Warren. Now, one of the weird things was, was that uh, Charlie Munger, who is always the right-hand man at the annual meeting, was not there this year. He's 96 years old and obviously was sheltering in place in his home state, so he didn't go to Omaha either. Uh, but Buffett was joined by others from Berkshire Hathaway, socially distancing in the, in the streaming um, during the actual event. So it was interesting. You know, I listened in so you didn't have to. Buffett spoke and answered questions for nearly four hours. It was extremely long. It started late afternoon on a Saturday. I actually missed the beginning part because I was doing some chores around the house, laundry, some ironing, you know, the basic things you like to get done. And then I jumped on thinking I'd missed a lot, but I hadn't. And then it kept going and going. I made dinner during it. This is the good thing about streaming, right? Like you could just keep listening while you're doing other things. And I was live tweeting out a lot of what he was saying and what some of the questions were asking at the same time. Now, I'm sure most of you have already seen the big headlines coming out of the annual meeting already because a lot of the media was also watching as I was. And there's been a lot of uh, coverage already of the annual meeting. And this was the first we've actually heard from Warren Buffett since the coronavirus crisis is, has started. They have not, he has not done any interviews. He hasn't released any statements. Only Charlie Munger did that one phone interview with Jason Zwig of uh, the Wall Street Journal. But other than that, we did not really know what was going on at Berkshire and um, the only other clue we had was that they did sell some Delta Airlines stock a couple weeks back because they're a 10% shareholder that had to be disclosed. So we knew some of that was being sold, but we didn't know anything else. And so we, other than the annual meeting, we are kind of in the dark about what Berkshire Hathaway is buying and selling until they file their 13F, which always comes 45 days after the end of the prior quarter. So we're not yet at the 45 day period. That will be around May 15th this year. Um, and so then that's when we're gonna get all these filings. So Berkshire didn't really have to reveal what it's been doing because it hasn't filed the 13F yet. and and Warren Buffett doesn't always like to talk about it, even at the annual meeting about like what kind of trades they're making. But he did reveal 
one massive trade because he basically got out of all of his positions, which is rare for Berkshire Hathaway and for Warren Buffett as well. And so I'm sure you saw those headlines that he sold all of the airline stock. Um, again, we knew he sold some of the Delta because they're a 10% shareholder, but we didn't know anything else. But it turns out he actually sold all of them. So he's owned four airlines for several years now. And if you've been listening to these podcasts for uh, um, a number of years as we've been doing them, you know I've raged on several podcasts about Buffett's ownership of the airline stocks. And while I wasn't against owning an airline, I did question why did he need to own four of them and quite considerable positions in all four. I mean, there are some differences between them um, in their finances and management, but fundamentally, they're basically the same type of business and you're giving yourself a lot of exposure by owning all four. Why not just own one, maybe two? Why all four? But he needed a place to park some money. They were cheap over the last couple of years. So in he went, but I I have never liked this trade just because I didn't feel like it was diverse enough, even though it's a small percentage of the overall Berkshire Hathaway portfolio. But for all of you other investors out there, you and me, uh, laymen, without billions of dollars in cash to invest, it's uh, seemed odd that he was this concentrated in all four. So which ones did he own? He owns United, uh, ticker UAL, American, AAL, Delta, DAL, and Southwest, LUV. And so those now have become the top four of the major airlines. There are several others, but those are the biggest ones in the United States now after all this consolidation. Okay, so we already know Berkshire was the 10% shareholder in Delta, but he was not, uh, he was almost at that with several of the others. So during the shareholder meeting, as Buffett was explaining this sale, he did say it was his call to sell everything. And I felt when I was listening to that, that implied that some of these stocks were in the lieutenant's portfolios. Remember, they were given a certain set amount of money and they were investing it, buying and selling as they saw fit. But it seemed he was implying, since he said it was my call, that if it was in one or one or both of theirs, he was basically like, we're getting out of all this. So... All of it was sold. He said they took a considerable loss. And I went back to look and see what these shares have done just over the last two years. So two-year return for United is down 66.7% now. Southwest is down 52.7%. Delta is down 59.7%. And then American is the worst of them, down 78.3% over the last two years. The vast majority of that just here in 2020, obviously, because of what's happening with, um, you know, the coronavirus and nobody flying and planes parked and, um, you know, basically the devastation of the industry. So it's a good time uh, when you hear that, you know, one of the big value investors is making big changes to his or her portfolio like this to consider what lessons can be learned from what happened here with these airlines and uh, whether or not we can learn from it to apply those lessons to our own investing 
Now, I've already complained about the one area that was a lesson before they blew up, but just not to have uh, so many companies in the same industry in your portfolio doing essentially the same thing. You could still get exposure to the cheapness of the airlines by just owning one or maybe if you have to, two of them, if you really like it, like that industry. Um, but otherwise, they are doing you know similar things, and that is a risk, right? As we have seen about what's happening now with this uh, you know global economic shutdown and certain industries being hit worse than others. Okay, so let's jump into the the three actual lessons from this, other than you know don't get overweighted in one industry. Um, is lesson number one learn from your past mistakes okay so we all know even when buffett bought the airlines like three or four years ago that was a little bit shocking that he bought any because he had a bad investment in u.s airways in the late 1980s and took a significant loss on it and ever since then he's been raging about the airlines <laughs> he's been saying you know that he's hated them that they always lose money, um, you know, I mean, he's gone on and on about how bad of an investment and that they're a value trap. They look cheap, but that's, you know, turns out not to be the case. That's also kind of an indication when they Berkshire did get into the airlines that maybe it was lieutenants and not Warren who bought in there because why is he buying in after he says he's hated them for all those uh, decades, essentially. So, but um, you can still learn from that is you made a mistake in the past. Maybe, uh, you know, rethink what you're doing if you're thinking about getting into it again later. So, you know, there's several things that have gone on in the airlines that are out of your control as an investor, including like big events, like what's happening now, um, you know, pandemic type of things. But after 9-11, there was similar response to travel that really uh, impacted the airline industry for months and months after that event. Um, some would say even like a year or two, it took several years for the full uh, volume to come back for people to get on planes. So it's not like some of these lessons weren't there about this particular industry in the past. So but in Buffett's defense and the lieutenants, the industry was on a better footing than it has been in many, many years. Some of the airlines were actually making money. They all don't lose all the time, as Buffett has complained. So you could see why people would be investing. And some of the airlines have been very good investments over the decades, including Southwest, which has been among the better investments since like the 1970s, that startup airline. So, but still lesson number one, learn from your past mistakes and maybe you won't repeat them. Okay, lesson number two, during the uh, annual meeting, Buffett said about this sale that the world has changed. And that's an interesting quote because that is when you have to recognize that the business story is no longer what you bought into. So um, basically what Buffett is saying is, uh, you know, the volumes aren't going to be there with travelers. It's going to be months, years, like after 9-11 for that to come back, for their loads 
you know, capacity, the routes, everything to come back. And he didn't want to own it for three or four years while all of that was happening. So he acted immediately without any hesitation. They just sold everything and now they're sitting on the cash. So lesson number two, when the story changes, it's good to know what your options are and then take action. Um, you know, you can, it, as hard as it is, cut your losses, get out because it's not the industry or the business and you're not going to see the revenue and the earnings that you were expecting. And remember, as a long-term investor, you are buying that company for their revenue, for the sales and for their earnings. And, um, you know, that comeback could be years from now, as Buffett himself was talking about on the annual meeting. So don't, you know, as hard as it is, um, if you sometimes if you just take the action when the story about the business has changed, you immediately feel better instead of sitting there stewing about it, watching, you know, the stock chart every day and wondering, hey, when when will the airlines be back up? Will they need another bailout? All of this stuff. Well, now you're not worrying about it, right? As far as an investor, that is, I guess. Okay, lesson number three, admit you got it wrong. So Buffett is not afraid to say he made mistakes. He admitted he made a mistake with IBM. Remember when he sold all of that out? And now he basically is admitting, yeah, this, this wasn't good. Of course, nobody could foresee a global pandemic that basically sh shut down the world's borders and nobody would be flying anywhere internationally. <laughs> for several months, nobody could foresee that. So that wasn't really a mistake or, or getting it wrong. Um, but he would admit he made another bet on the airlines or Berkshire Hathaway did. And once again, it uh, did not turn out right. And this goes back to lesson number one, to learn from your past mistakes. Um, so I'm not sure we'll see Berkshire Hathaway investing in the airlines again, at least while Warren Buffett is still with us. He's 89 now. And he sounded amazing on the annual call, um, going for four hours. I could barely listen and live tweet it out for four hours. And he had amazing stamina and was sharp as a tack and kept going and going. So that's a good sign. But I don't, uh, I think Berkshire is probably going to learn from this second time through on the airlines, and they're probably going to avoid that area. So where else can you invest in transportation? Well, Berkshire already owns another area in the transports. They own BNSF Railroad. Remember when they bought that um, a number of years ago and everyone thought they overpaid, but they own it outright. So that's one of the big, the big kahunas in the railroad industry. And that's been consolidated into, you know, a half a dozen names that control the US rail industry. But some of the others are still available and still out there. I still really like the rails as an investment. The growth factor isn't there, but if you can get it a little bit cheaper here, a lot of these stocks have sold off on the coronavirus impact. They've rebounded off those lows, so they're not as cheap as a month or two ago. But um, if you get enough, if we get another sell-off, then you know keep these on your list You're, you could get them cheaper or if your dollar cost averaging into them now buffett did say a little bit of interesting comments about the railroads on the call 
um, just in terms of inflation. Someone asked a question about inflation and he said, um, well, he didn't see any inflation coming and nobody hopes for inflation. Inflation would really help the rails. And then he kind of laughed like, ha ha. <laughs> um, not that he's asking for it, which he again confirmed he did, was not asking for the inflation, but apparently it really would help the rails. And another interesting thing about the rails, most people probably don't know, is that they have this new logistics um strategy going on and it has really cut costs and improved their margins so their growth story has actually improved it's uh some of them have like low sing or low double digits earnings growth because of the changes they made in this logistics and what is happening in the industry with that. So it's kind of an unknown thing, but I encourage people to check it out. I've looked into it with uh, Union Pacific, which is one of my favorites, and it really is transforming the industry here. And so that's an exciting thing if you think the railroads are boring. So let's talk about Union Pacific. UNP is the ticker there. Um, they've reported the volumes are getting hit as expected. In a recession, they just don't carry as much on the rails. And so those stock, those shares did sell off on coronavirus. They bounced back up. They were a little bit cheaper, obviously, on the sell-off. And then some of the earnings are, you know, on the decline a bit. But um, still is X number three right here, which is the hold. They're trading at 19.7 times. They were trading at like 22, 23, 24 times before the coronavirus. So that was a little too rich for my blood. I'm liking them a little more under 20. If I could get it even cheaper, for sure, I would be interested. So I have them on my watch list. Dividend is yielding 2.5% and they're still paying that. So um, Union Pacific, all West Coast, and then along the coast with Mexico. It's why I like them. Another big uh, railroad that I'm a fan of, Kansas City Southern, KSU. They are cheaper, trading at 17.9 times. They do have actual rails in Mexico, though. So um, unclear how badly those volumes are getting hit with all the auto plants shut down and uh, various other hits to manufacturing in both countries. So that's something to keep in mind. They are paying a dividend, too. It's a little bit lower at 1.3%. And they're number four here. Again, that's a sell, but that's as those estimates are being cut on basically all these companies, right? Um, but I do like them for the Mexico exposure for the longer term. And then CSX is one of the East Coast, the big East Coast rails down into Florida and all the ports on the East Coast. PEs, the cheapest out of the three at 17.2 times yielding 1.6%, they're a number three hold. So as I said, all of these got smacked down in the big sell-off. They've rebounded up off those lows. They're still down for the year. So they're not breaking out to any new highs here. But if you're one of those who believes that this market rally might be getting ahead of itself and we could see another pullback, then you might want to wait to get the rails even cheaper here. Now, what about buying some of the airline stocks here? Um, you know, none of us are Berkshire Hathaway and we're not selling them. So what if we wanted to buy them here on these this big sell-off? I actually got asked this question uh, via text message from a friend of mine just yesterday. And that's all that's all he asked. Like, should I buy the airlines here? And I was like, what? No. 
No, um, cheap doesn't necessarily mean good, right? I've been telling people buy strength in a recession. All of these rails have some strength because they have this natural monopoly. We are going to be transporting things across the United States and Mexico into Canada for the next 10, 20 years, however long. Um, we have been for 150 years, right? And even in a recession that hits the volumes, the transports will go on. But the airlines, again, they're going to be waiting for those passengers to come back. And that could take quite a bit longer. And none of these have any strengths here. They just don't. They're getting money from the government to stay in business. But um, it's going to be a really difficult slog for them. So why own that? Why own companies that are going to struggle no, during this kind of recession, government-induced recession on a pandemic, trade with the strength and ask yourself, do I want to be an owner of this over the next five years as they're like struggling to come back? No, I don't. <laughs> That's an easy answer, right? So my advice is if you're investing in the airlines, stay away. If you're going to trade them, that's a whole different story. I know a lot of you are lured in by the big sell-off and that there can be bounce backs and there have been already in the airline stocks. So if you are day trading them or week trading them or whatever on the short term, that's a different discussion. But as value investors, we're looking for the long-term trade. We want to be owners for the next five to 10 years or even longer and that's just not where I want to be right now with a lot of deals still remaining out there. Um, I'd rather be in other areas. Now, I'm watching other transports right now and travel names for bargains. We're still waiting for some earnings reports to come in. We haven't heard from some of the big um, online travel companies. So I'm waiting to hear from them and what they're seeing. Uh, we are hearing some news reports out of uh, some companies like Airbnb that they're going to do some significant layoffs and hotels, uh, you know, they're hanging on, but it's going to take a couple quarters to see really what the response is there. A lot of this will depend on the consumer, obviously. And so we're waiting for the reopen of the U.S. economy and to see what we all do. What are we going to spend on? Where are we going to go? And um, as I said, I, I will continue to look for some deals. I just don't think that they're in the airline stocks right here. So keep that in mind. But uh, there's other places for value that aren't going to be the value trap as I think those are. And yes, the earnings estimates are being cut on the rails as well. But we kind of know what's going to be happening with them as we come out of the recession. And the volumes will pick up once the U.S. economy starts to pick up steam in the next several quarters. So keep that in mind. OK, let's recap. Uh, let me switch all my pages here back to what stocks I covered. Of course, it's the airlines. Um, and we covered American, AAL, United, UAL, Delta, DAL, Southwest LUV, then the rails, Union Pacific, UNP, Kansas City Southern, KSU, and CSX is just CSX. There are several other rails that 
are also out there, but those three are my favorites. So I only looked at those three. But um, as always, I aim to bring you more coverage of what Warren Buffett is doing because that matters to us value investors here. And there were some other little tidbits from the shareholder meeting that I'm going to cover over the next uh, week or two, a couple more episodes of the podcast because, um, you know, we need guidance right now. And one of the interesting things, just to give you a preview, is that Warren Buffett isn't really buying anything. He did not buy on the huge dip down. He's getting a lot of criticism for that. Did he miss the bottom? Did he miss a chance to buy cheaply? He didn't even buy back Berkshire Hathaway shares on their big sell-off during that downturn. So what's the story with that? And what kind of lessons can we learn from that too? So I'm going to be covering some of that. And I'm going to be taking a look again at his 13F. But we already know that he wasn't buying anything um, at least new. We don't know if he added to anything else yet until that 13F comes out, out. So we'll see what they were doing when that comes out on May 15th. But otherwise, you want to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and some stock tips and everything that's going on in the value world. So you can find us on Spotify and we are on Apple Podcast, of course, and we are on SoundCloud with the Zach's Market Edge where I'm also covering what was happening at Berkshire Hathaway's annual meeting. So you might want to tune in over there as well. Um, you'll get two for one shows on SoundCloud under the Zach's Market Edge. So search for that name. But otherwise, subscribe somewhere so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And I'll be back again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified I described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.